You are listening to the Compliance Conversations podcast by Healthicity. If you work in the healthcare industry, you know how crucial compliance is to your bottom line, your reputation, and the success of your organization as a whole. If this is your first time listening, welcome. A transcript of every Compliance Conversations episode can be found at www.healthicity.com resources, along with a ton of other thought leadership materials. You can add us to your RSS feed and iTunes, or follow us on Twitter and Facebook. Now, let's get on with the show. Hi, this is CJ Wolf, and today we have a great auditing expert with us, uh, Layman Willis. Welcome, Layman. Thank you, CJ. Glad to be here. Uh, we thought we'd talk a little bit today about some of the areas that Layman has some expertise in, billing and auditing. And one of the things that I hear a lot about Layman is CCI edits, so Medicare's Comprehensive uh, Correct Coding Initiative, uh, as well as the Modifier 59 that bypasses a lot of those edits. And one of the things that I think is interesting is some people really struggle with this concept, even sometimes coders and kind of understanding that. What kind of areas do you see that people are making mistakes in when it comes to the Correct Coding Initiative and or Modifier 59 usage? Well, a lot of the issues surrounding it have to do with simply being uninformed. Uh, as, as I've learned when I've been out doing either auditing work itself or uh, teaching, training, speaking engagements, whatever it might be, I find that a lot of people have never read through the uh, National Correct Coding Initiative manual that's you know posted online that CMS publishes. They haven't downloaded any of the materials and read through it at all. They usually rely on some type of software uh, to help them, whether it's an encoder if they're doing coding or possibly a lookup tool if they're, um, you know, doing some, maybe some office coding or uh, coding from home maybe, or if they're a biller, uh, they might simply be using a lookup tool. And so they rely heavily upon some software that is meant to, you know, be helpful, but if you don't know the concepts and uh, the purpose and design behind the CCI edits themselves, then it's still possible for you to, you know, misuse um, modifiers and also misunderstand the edits and, and and try to bypass them later. Yeah, you know, that's a really good point. I, I recall uh, a time when I worked for an organization where in a group of about 15 coding consultants uh, in-house we would every year when the new manual came out, we would download it and we were assigned chapters because our supervisor felt the same way as you did. That some people think of CCI edits simply as kind of these numbers, and oh, if these two numbers hit an edit, then let's put a modifier on it without understanding the real principle behind uh, the the manual. Do they still is the manual still published in chapter format, and those chapters more or less mirror uh, the C, the section of the CPT book? Uh, yes, that is correct. It's still published in manual format, uh, the different version, one for the hospital side of the house, the other for the physician practices. And so, yes, it's set up specifically like how CPT is broken out by section so that you can go through that particular section of uh, the CPT manual, essentially, with the uh, CCI manual and kind of take a look at, you know, those code-to-code designs and, and what they're trying to uh, really inform people about the purpose of, you know, promoting correct coding and, and trying to use these to reduce error rates uh, when it comes to uh, claims that are paid for Medicare and Medicaid services. 
Yeah, I remember one, I think, you know, the GI system um, or the gastrointestinal system, I, I think there's some good narrative in the CCI manual regarding endoscopic procedures, right, where if somebody is doing a diagnostic procedure or they're doing a removal of a lesion endoscopically, that the biopsy code is of that same lesion is typically considered inclusive, right? And, and it would hit in a CCI edit. But a lot of times when they're doing these sorts of studies, there's multiple lesions. And so the codes, you can't tell from the numeric codes on the claim, right? But the, the medical records should clarify when it's appropriate to use the 59 and when it's not. Do, do you have any examples that come to mind of when, you know, the 59? Yeah, there are, there are, there, there are uh, a lot of different examples in that because they have set this up with uh, things like code pairs, procedure-to-procedure um, -procedure edits, also uh, units of service edits, so that's where the medically unlikely edits come from uh, as it relates to units of service. Those are set up so that things don't become uh, fragmented or unbundled. For example, uh, with the MUEs, uh, you know, it's unlikely that you're going to report, um, you know, more than one unit uh, for a cataract distraction for each eye because you only have two eyes, right? right. So you wouldn't you wouldn't be reporting four unit service for any cataract extraction because you only have two eyes. And so you know those are things that you would hope that, of course, your your scrubbing software is going to help you with um, if for some reason your um, online lookup tool you're using or your auditing software, your coding software, whatever it is, if it's doing its job, of course, it would prevent you too. But these are things, right, that should be known to us uh, based upon our training or expertise. And it just, it goes back to the reason why, you know, you also need to have people who are professionals who are doing the work for you too. Right. Well, you know, in my area of compliance, the OIG usually carries a lot of weight. Um, are you familiar with any reports either by the OIG or other enforcement agencies that talk about kind of the number of claims that they've reviewed and the kind of the error rates and if if this topic it, plays into any of that. Yeah, for sure. Um, so Medicare has some what they call common error rate testing reports that they do uh, on an annual basis. And these go through and take a look at um, codes that are reported by physicians and also hospitals. There are Part A and Part B claims, but but a lot of times, of course, you know, we're focusing on some of the physician services themselves. Uh, but these error rate reporting reporting uh, um, issues relate to any and all types of CPT codes that are going to get reported, uh, along with the possibility of modifiers and those associated modifiers. So back in 2015, um, the CERT reports for both Part A and Part B claims specifically did a focus on some of the issues around the use of modifier 59, which is the modifier that allows you to bypass some of those CCI edits. And so on the part claims, part A uh, claims that they looked at, there were about uh, a little over 20,000 claims they reviewed and they, re they had paid $260 billion on those. They projected that about $28 billion of that were paid in error because of the improper use of modifier 59. And then on the Part B claims, a little over 18,000 claims were reviewed. And uh, it was about $90.4 billion in payment that they made on those services. And they projected about $11.5 billion in errors for the improper use of modifier 59. And so it, again, you know, uh, 
it's not something new, of course, and in, in how we would know how to use this modifier, all of the information uh, related to it. Um, you know, there's only been minute changes to it in the recent past. And so really, it just comes down to uh, improper use. Yeah. And do you, do you see that, I know these, you mentioned the claim scrubbers, and sometimes are the same people that are doing the coding working those claim scrubber reports? Um, I've found both to be the case. Sometimes it is the same person, and those people might be more in tuned because they're trained in coding to not use the 59 modifier inappropriately. Whereas if you're in a bigger organization and the coder did one thing, and then it's a different person working those claim scrubber edits, they might be misinformed and, and append the 59 modifier and then bypass all those edits. Do you, do you see that happening very much or... Or not yes, so that's that's definitely the case. Where obviously the larger the organization, um, the larger the amount of processes that you would have in place. I, mean, I can't think of a single circumstance when it would be appropriate to hard code modifier fifty nine to a charge master because it's so the proper use of that modifier is so dependent on the clinical circumstances, and there's no way a charge master is going to know that in advance. Um, it really absolutely. Absolutely. And even even if you, you thought that you had a scenario where that was the case, you know, there's always the possibility of your your software not working correctly. You have a system upgrade of some kind in which something breaks or something fails. And so, again, you know, that could be the death knell for you as a compliance person <laughs> as well, because then you've got all these claims that Modifier 59 went out on. You got paid probably for some services that you never intended to get paid for. And, and so now you've got to pay back possibly, you know, uh, hundreds of thousands or, or maybe millions of dollars for something that you had no intent in doing to begin with. Yeah, that, it, it reminds me a little bit of there's a lot of talk recently about the 60-day repayment rule, um, you know, the Affordable Care Act um, and the kind of this concept of reverse false claims that if you're aware of an overpayment, you have 60 days to refund the money. But it's not just of that one claim. You have to go back potentially six years. And I'm thinking of kind of the nightmare scenario of, oops, somebody six years ago hard-coded modifier 59, uh, maybe had good intentions, maybe misunderstood some direction they received from their supervisor. But now you've got six years worth of claims that went out. Um, that You're absolutely right. That could run into the millions and could be a nightmare. Um, and then you have this added pressure of once you identify it, you've got 60 days to kind of go back. Uh, have you ever done kind of pointed audits regarding Modifier 59 that are, you know, focused on that audit? And if so, you know, how do you go about doing that? Yeah, so I, I have uh, both on the hospital and the physician side. Uh, one of the things that has, has commonly happened is that, um, you know, there would be some type of interview process that takes place with the billing staff and the billing staff would usually be the point of the spear to let you know uh, exactly what's happening with claims and uh, you know what's what's going on with services that are being generated from either a various uh, specialty line you know if it's a physician organization or in the hospital setting obviously from different departments and so uh, they would commonly be able to tell you yeah we have a lot of claims that kick out for this particular specialty because of such and such. And so you'd find out that there was a need for someone to be looking at the code pair 
and make a determination if a modifier did in fact need to go on one of the codes and or if they had in, just inappropriately reported this other CPT or HICPIC code. And so, you know, in going through that type of uh, uh, audit, you know, it's a time to find out that, uh, you know, they have some process breakdown, obviously. Uh, they might have some inappropriate reporting that's going on. And, you know, it goes back to getting those things worked out with uh, where it's originating at in the in the either the specialty line or the department. And then also, uh, you know, providing some training to the staff to, to allow them to be able to adequately either assign that modifier or have a policy and procedure in place that says, well, these are the people who are allowed to do that. And, uh, you know, they know what they're doing when they do it. I was just going to ask you that is, is there kind of a best practice, you know, in some organizations, code, the ultimate coding decision resides with the physician. They might have a coder who's certified to kind of help with the, the volume of, of coding that needs to be done. But if there's ever a question, it can go back to the clinician. Um, do you see that as a best practice or does it really just vary kind of by organization as to who that decision maker should be uh, with, with bypassing those edits? Yeah, I think it varies, obviously, in, in practices where you have the capability that your physician staff are doing their own coding. It makes sense uh, for um, for them to be people who are queried uh, concerning situations like that, um, you know, along with possibly someone else who, you know, may have a little bit of clinical expertise as well, uh, but, but also, you know, is knowledgeable of coding to be able to ask those questions in a way to, to get some good answers rather than just, you know, needing to know, hey, can I put this on this code and get this claim out the door kind of thing. That's not what you obviously want to do. Uh, in other organizations, though, um, you know, you've got a bigger uh, uh, set of claims that are always going out the door. Um, there's usually going to be some type of front line of people uh, who are going to deal with those issues, and uh, then it becomes uh, the onus of the uh, organization to make sure those staff are trained, they're expert in what they do, and that you know there's follow up, uh, you know, looking at their work, you know, auditing them to make sure they know what they're doing. Yeah. Um as you were talking, it made me think about when I was trying to, we, I was in an organization where we had physicians that made that ultimate decision sometimes. So the edits would go back sometimes to the physicians on certain issues. And I had some docs who would be like, well, which modifier gets it paid? And that was the determination that they were using <laughs> to decide whether a modifier gets added. So then we had to educate physicians who are busy and they don't really right. want to know the ins and outs of the CCI modifiers and edits. So I had this supervisor who came up with, and maybe after I tell you this, you can, if you have any ideas on ways to teach um, people the complexities in kind of the elevator pitch or the short method, I'd love to hear them. But this supervisor called it the, the Happy Meal model because all of us have gone through a drive-through where you can order French fries, a uh, drink and a, a burger separately and you would pay more money if you ordered those items separately as opposed to just ordering the value meal. Um, and one day after I was teaching on Modifier 59, I actually did go through the drive-thru. I had ordered uh, a value meal and then I said I want a root beer. And when I got home, the the receipt, so on paper, the receipt shows Here's your charge, $7.29 for the value meal, and then a $1.29 charge for the root beer. And so I'm feeling, and I think most of us would say, oh, you got ripped off. 
Um, and then I used that receipt as an example to teach Modifier 59. I said, look, that receipt in and of itself doesn't tell you the full story. I'll give you two scenarios. The first one, I was in the car alone and I ordered a value meal and the root beer was supposed to be a part of what I paid for the value meal. So I should not have been charged extra. And everyone nods their heads and say, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. And then I say, well, what if the circumstances were slightly different? I was going through the drive-thru, I ordered the value meal, my wife was in the car and said, ah, I'm not hungry. And she just said, get me a root beer. Well, now the story is totally different and that root beer should be paid separately because the, the circumstances around that scenario demonstrate that it was a separate, even though it's a, a component code, I'm using old language here from the CCI edits, but it was right. you know one of these unbundled things. But in that second scenario, that unbundling was appropriate because there was kind of a second encounter. And so I used that um, analogy a lot uh, to try to help people understand that this is what is meant by unbundling and this is what the CCI edits try to do is they give you a list of this is the comprehensive code and these are all those components. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, it's a good example. I think that really probably works and is, is very understandable for practically anyone that would want to listen to things to do with, with what right. we're talking about. Exactly. With you know, the fragmenting of, of services is exactly that. It's a great explanation of that. And, you know, a coder or a biller would get that right away. Um, you know, looking through the, the code book, um, essentially, you know, is going through a, a menu list very similar to what you're talking about and, and discussing, you know, and they've got examples of downcoding and upcoding and fragmenting, unbundling, all those type of things in which, you know, once you've, you know, once you've read through that and you would read through it on a routine basis like we've discussed, you know, doing something annually or maybe even quarterly depending on, you know, how busy your workload might be because the CCI edits get updated frequently, um, you know, just going through that and, and refreshing your remembrance about things can be very helpful because, you know, there are other things in there that deal with increments of time and, and per session uh, measurements as opposed to, you know, just surgical procedures because this deals with uh, therapeutic services by, uh, you know, therapists, you know, whether it's speech therapy or it's um, physical therapy or occupational therapy, you know, there are things for them in there as well. So it's not just about uh, maybe those E&M codes that we're all used to or even the surgical component codes, but there are things to do with, uh, you know, per session uh, information as well. Yeah, that's a great point. I remember one specific example. I was in charge of the interventional radiology reviews for our hospital's and physicians and as I was reading the chapter they actually had the scenario of what I was trying to teach um, the clinicians about and the scenario had to do with you know when you do like a, a heart catheterization and these are sometimes called drive-by a uh, renal aortography where um, after the physician has uh, done a heart cath and an imaging of the heart they pull the catheter back down the aorta um, and as they're pulling the catheter out, they go by the renal arteries. And the renal arteries, um, can you can then engage them by putting the catheter inside the artery, inject contrast, and then take a picture. Well, there's a scenario in the CCI manual that talks about when that's appropriate and when it isn't appropriate. And it was like the perfect 
um, example for me because I was, you know, I had found that they were using the modifier 59 to bypass the edit. And in many cases, it was not appropriate. And I showed them that example and it was a real help. Um, and I, I like your point of, you know, read that manual over and over again because it's not, it, it could be all sorts of different scenarios that you sometimes can't even think of. That's right. And let's say maybe you've got a new employee. Um, so, you know, they've got to, they're going to have to do their onboarding, their, their training with your organization. You've got some different topics that you're going to take them through and, and things. Um, and so, you know, part of what you'd want them to know is exactly what all your other staff members know. So maybe those other staff members, they've had the luxury of sitting through and uh, enjoying some of that education that you're providing where you've went through the manual several times. You've had question and answer sessions. Uh, you know, maybe you've even done a little bit of testing on it or something like that. You know, not, no harm, no foul with doing a, a few Q&As on that. Um, you know, having these people do that with you who are new hires is going to be invaluable to them because they probably have never been through that, you know. So they might still have questions from uh, previous employment, previous work they did, um, you know, other things where they simply don't know some of those things. Like, for example, you know, one of the things that the CCI manual talks about is things that are called integral services, uh, things that are integral to uh, the service that you're going to perform and provide, right? So if you're going to do a, a surgical service on someone, cleansing, shaving, prepping the skin, all that's included. You know, you don't get paid separate for that. You don't try to bill or code separately for it. And so that's one of those things as a new coder or a new biller, that's something that they would, they might would have questions about, but see, this would help them to automatically right away know the answer. We don't do that. We don't try to sign coding for that or try to do billing for that. And so there are things in there that will be helpful to all of your employees on a go forward basis as too. Yeah, that's a, that's a great point. Well, um, any last minute thoughts or, or, things that I might not have asked about that um, that you could think about that's important on this topic? Well, I think, uh, you know, one of the things to always keep in mind is that, you know, we, we never really stop learning about this and uh, thinking about it. Uh, you know, each time I, I talk about it and speak about it, I, I learn new things myself because it brings back to my memory uh, possibly something I haven't talked about in, in maybe, uh, you know, months or months or something. But, you know, there are always things that will come fresh to your mind again that will bring something back home uh, when you talk about it. You say those things out loud. People hear them rather than even just reading them, too. It might click something in their uh, memory, too, or, or a question for them uh, to help them provide some answers to them as well. So, you know, just the continuation of training and education along these lines, I think, is uh, just uh, extremely beneficial for all of us. I agree. You, I think you had told me once before about sometimes the Medicare administrative contractors or the MACs will sometimes even have reference material uh, specific to this. I mean, we've we've talked a lot about the CCI manual itself, which is a, a national publication, right? Um, yes. But then you could get some local variations. Is that have you yeah, seen any of that? Yeah, that's definitely the case. So you can go online to your your local um, either Part A or Part B Mac, and you can download. Sometimes they'll have a, a Q and A section. They'll have a frequently asked questions. They might even have a specific topic on 
uh, modifiers. For example, uh, the Noridian um, Jurisdiction E is one that I was using recently to do some training education uh, where I was uh, teaching at. And so they had a, 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 mod, a proper use of Modifier 59 item that they posted on their website from back in March of this year, in 2016. So it's updated, you know, good information. And uh, it goes through some different scenarios. It refers you back to uh, possibly some things to do with the CCI manual. But it specifically gets into, you know, questions and answers, uh, you know, things you should do, things you should not do. Kind of breaks that out bold for you, too. So yeah. you can kind of give it a quick highlight overview, uh, scanning through it and see, uh, you know, exactly what you might be wanting to reference from this article. And, and that's the way a lot of the Macs do is to provide you some education that way that will be very helpful for you. Yeah, that's a, that's a great example. I appreciate that. And Layman, I really appreciate your expertise and uh, your, your knowledge on the topic and would love to have you back at some point. Maybe we have some different topics we could talk about or uh, even you know beat this horse uh, more dead, if that's okay. the way to say that it. Sounds, that sounds great, CJ. Thank you very much. Thanks, Layman.